Ah. I'm back. Alright, get settled. This one is slightly longer than normal. There's a lot to cover. Now, where was I? Ah, yes. <clears throat> Article 4. What's left behind? So, we are now in Aragosta. What was the reaction when we rolled in with a ATC Man of War? There was some tension at first. Again, they hadn't had time to take the name off of the Man of War, and that name is very recognized. So there were some tensions at first, but uh, as soon as they rolled up and Royce leaned over the railing, look at what we found, lads! Just sitting pretty in the rocks. <laughs> you got some recognition and, and a lot of pats on the back from the notable Doc and So, Jesse and Wayland are headed to the only place that really matters in Aragosa, and that's the Bucket of Blood, because they need to go see Aidetokumbo. And as they're walking, the streets are kind of packed as they normally are, and they are passing by a small crowd of people surrounding a very well-dressed, very handsome-looking Castilian gentleman who is playing his guitar and singing. And so as you guys are passing by, we're going to listen in a little bit. Grows among the blooming heather Will you go, lassie, go And we'll all go together To pull wild mountain time All among the blooming heather Will are throwing coins and, and flowers at this gentleman and he bows and continues to just strum as people are talking to him and going on. You guys walk into the Bucket of Blood and it is bouncing. It's not quite elbow to elbow, but it's getting pretty close. There are a lot of people in the bar today. It is about midday, so it is the time in which people are getting ready to leave in the evening. This is the last call for them. Jesse takes a deep sigh and smiles. You're home. Wayland is also quite glad to be back. As you guys are walking in, a small person accidentally bumps into Wayland, and she's carrying a very heavy tray laden with drinks. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. And she looks up at you. Oh. Hello, my dear. Jesse. Hi. Welcome back. Um, hi. It's Charlotte. I was going to ask. Um, it's kind of busy. Idetokumbo's in the back right now, but um, there's a seat on the balcony. Thank you, darling. Thank you very kindly, Charlotte. He kneels down and kisses her on the forehead. It's good to see you. She instantly beams. I imagine that she gets a little blushy and she starts to drop the train. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll be right up with your drinks. <laughs> Usual? Aye, less. Okay. Thank you. 
and then she titters off. Wayland will take a moment to lean in towards Jesse. Hey, that first impression he left on Charlotte uh, still hasn't worn off, has it? Tends not to. Charles puts a hand on your shoulder. She warms up after a while. Can see she's working hard. Hey. She always does. Now, we just go get that seat before anybody else gets it. It's a good idea. Let's do that. <clears throat> after you. So Charles, Hawthorne, and Mama Coco are with you. Cosette has said that she will be by shortly to complete the transaction. But for right now, she's making sure that everything is in order before she does that. Uh, She also takes her time. She doesn't rush anywhere. Partially because she can't be bothered to rush anywhere, and partially because her leg. And you guys head up to the balcony. There are actually three levels to the Bucket of Blood. There's the main level, which has the big three bars that I described before, along with the wall of charters. There is a secondary level that has bigger tables. You see a lot of captains and crews taking up entire tables, talking about adventures or their next prospect, things like that. The third level, you actually need to pay a very hefty price, the luxury level. A lot of the first captains, Grace Ardig, Canon also, and very rarely, but sometimes, Queen Bonaventura will be in the third balcony talking politics, talking big business, things of that nature. Today, the third balcony is closed because it is being rented out. Hmm. A big bit of business is going on, I see. Hey. That balcony is always shuttered, can't actually see from the ground floor can't like lean up from the second balcony to see anything. It is shuttered closed and there's actually a door leading to the stairs and that door is shut and has a sign that says pirate business only, ye be warned. Pirates. (laughs) Probably not something we are involved in. Right, Charles? Aye, Captain. No pirates here. Not a one. No, certainly not. That's right. Just good old fashioned adventurers we are. Something like that. (laughs) Mama Coco just pinches the bridge of her nose and takes her seat. Charlotte does come a little while later with your usual drinks, as well as nuts and little fruits and olives and kippers on a plate. Jesse pulls little Luciana off of his hat, places her down in front of a little piece of pineapple, and gestures for her to go ham, as it were. Charlotte makes a noise that is somewhere between a squeal and a squeak at seeing the tiny, tiny bird and is instantly enamored with her (laughs) to the point where she nearly drops her tray again. And Charles is like, come on, little Lottie, you have to get back to work now. Oh, uh, sorry. Right. Um, I'll be back. (laughs) She runs off to more things. So you guys are sitting at this table. Waylon's going to do a cursory look around to just see if there are any eyes pointed in their direction. A lot of people looked over, saw you, and just like, okay, cool, more pirates. You just became background to them. When you came up onto the second level, 
there is a crew in the corner far table that appear to be in really intense negotiations. There's a lot of furrowed brows, a lot of holding their drinks really close to their face. And some of them seem a little dour. The theme over there is kind of grim. Something must have happened. Mm. They've secluded themselves in the corner so as not to ruin the theme of anybody else coming up here. There is a table that is excitedly telling stories they're laughing, they're being raucous, their drinks are being held aloft, and they are excitedly embellishing tales and calling each other liars as they're doing it. Typical day in the bucket of blood. Cool. After a little while, Dedekumbo eventually makes his way upstairs. Ah, there's the grizzly man himself. Aye, here I be in the flesh. He takes a seat at the table next to Mama Coco and Charles takes up half the bench. He does. He's a really big man. So I heard you helped Royce and the Black Betty there. Could say that. Helped is a word. Hey, it was a time. I'm sure there'll be a story behind it. But first, the business. And then we can deal with pleasure, aye? Aren't they mutually exclusive? Depends on who you talk to. After that is said, there is a soft step and then... And then a soft step, and then... You're not allowed to do any business without me. Did you think you could get away with it, Adetokumbo? No, I wouldn't dream of doing it without you, Kazet. There's a lot of business interaction. Not going to bog down with the actual logistics of it. But you guys did a good job. You delivered what you needed to deliver. The goods were solid and clean. Everything was in order. Um, and you did it quickly and quietly. Uh, so you are getting the maximum amount of wealth for a job such as this, and that is five wealth. Oh, right. Cosette then begins to explain that due to the nature of the job and the fact that we didn't get harmed or waylaid by anything, and the only people that really need attending to was you two, there are associated costs with the completion of the job, such as restocking bandages, making sure that all the powder is there, and that translates into paying the crew. Gotcha. Right. So, whenever you guys complete a deal, you are going to have to pay the crew half of the ship's wealth rounded down. So you gained five wealth, and half of that rounded down needs to go to the crew immediately. So we have three currently. Got it. You have three currently in your ship's treasury. Also, if you want, you can activate her ability there using part of the ship, part of the crew, and she can get you more money by being who she is. No, we wouldn't want that, now would we? <laughs> she would then grant you individually each one wealth. So, like, you, she got the ship treasury, now you guys are getting paid. Well, I don't know how easy it is to get wealth in the first place. That's actually a good question. That is a good question. You get wealth every time you complete a job, which you would get from Idetakumbo or from anybody that's basically like, hey, I want you to do a thing for me. It's like, okay, cool, you're going to pay us, right? Also, you can do occupations. So let's say, Jesse, you have to go talk to so-and-so and you're going to be in meetings all day and Waylon doesn't really want to do that. He's like, oh, I want to go make some money. 
So you can go down to a blacksmith or a Fletcher, or you can work at the Bucket of Blood, and you can actually gain wealth depending on how many hours you put on that. And wealth spent in-game, you don't have to spend it for like, oh, I need a knight, I need to get normal food. You can afford all that. That's just throwaway money, which we don't keep track of. Wealth is specifically for extra stuff. A really fancy gun, or a horse, or a piece for their ship, things like that. Oh, mm. okay. I like that. All right. Why not? Part of the ship, part of the crew. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Cosette is going back and forth with Ida Kumbo. She then makes mention, well, now we're not quite finished here. I've paid you for the job. Yes, well, unfortunately, my captain and my master gunner also saved Black Betty single-handedly by themselves. So maybe a little on the top would be nice. Just a bit. Yeah, all right. Jesse looks over to the Wayland and gives him a little wink. And he smile. slaps down the equivalent of two coin pouches <laughs> and slides them to each of you. Thank you very, very kindly. I did it, Kumbo. Dips his straw hat. Just know that uh, if I need any ATC man of wars taken down, you're going to be the first I ask. Oh, we are here. Ooh, that's her reputation. And Cosette seems very pleased with herself. Is that all? Well, of course. Thank you, darling. It's been a pleasure. The pleasure is all ours. I will see you on the morrow. Do we say that first light? Aye, tomorrow morning. Potentially tonight. Keep on your toes. Oui, adieu. She takes her time moving with this big heavy leg, dainty as can be. Jesse leans over in his chair to watch her leave. The things that woman could do to my hat. Oh, really now, Captain? Are we fetching some fancy after the cozy? Kefana Wayland. It might be soon and too. <laughs> Hawthorne laughs. Captain, she's way out of your league. Mama Coco elbows Hawthorne. Couldn't afford her. <laughs> and they laugh. Yeah, thank you. I'm aware. <laughs> I think the only thing she'd do to your heart, Captain, is shove her leg right through it. At least she'd leave a receipt. (laughs) (laughs) The lot of you are lucky that I like you. Charles then is like, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. Very lucky. Look, all I'm saying is you're the one that picked us. And I don't know why I did. Oh, hey now. That was a long night. It was at the start of your shift. Something like that, <laughs> Wayland. Ida Kumbo slaps the table laughing, which makes Luciana jump. <laughs> hey, don't freak my bird out. I apologize. Sorry. She looks indignant at Ida Kumbo and then goes back to her pineapple. You tell him. On the topic of that, now that you've been out at sea a little while and completing jobs... I... I... What are we thinking? Are we ready? Well, and how do you feel? How do I feel? How do I feel about, about what exactly? Signing a charter. I don't know how these things work. Let's see. it's more persuasive than the law. How long's it been since we set the sea, Captain? About half a year. If I didn't like you, you wouldn't be on my ship for that long. Oh, no, I know. I'll just say, at the risk of sounding sentimental. Here we go. 
probably been the best half a year I've ever spent in my life. Mama Coco is like, oh, get off with ya. Charles is like, soak up. <laughs> Jesse elbows Charles. I'm not paying you more than I pay you now, Wayland. I know why. Look, I'm in it for the long haul, Captain. Oh, I'm aware. You got no other choice. If it's something that I have to come out and say, I would be fine with signing a charter. I'm in. I just think it might soothe the crew a bit more to know that everybody's on board. Mama Coco stares at you. Deadpan, serious face. I'll uh, I'll workshop that one. <laughs> you best let that one die. Adetokumbo <laughs> pipes up and says, Now in all seriousness... This is not something to do lightly, Wayland. If you're in, you're in. I'm aware. And of course, there'd be a ritual about it, but can't quite remember if you actually had to do it at 3 a.m. or at 3.30 with the full moon or... Was it a full glass? No, I'm pretty sure you have to hold the knife in your left hand and cut the right hand. (laughs) No, 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 it's the left pointer. And Charles is like, yeah, it's your finger. That's what it is. You don't have to cut the whole hand anymore. Yeah. Wayland's just staring confused. Like, he doesn't know if he's being fucked with. I'm pretty sure you have to do the whole arm. And Hawthorne's like, if I have to do the whole arm, I'm not doing it. It's just not how I need my hands and my arms. If, if uh, What about a prick? I honestly think Klaus would be pissed if it was the whole arm. I don't know. I think he might be delighted. He does like to stitch. Oh, you've got the point there. All right, all right. Typically, most charters written are not necessarily signed with blood, but the blood is involved as a tribute. The first charter was signed 40 years ago under some strange magic ritual. The only one who really understands it now is Captain Reese. And he grits his teeth when he says that name. It is the captain of the Crimson Rogers, and nobody wants to ask her. As long as blood is involved in some way, you could even do it right here at the table. That's right. Ah. Well, Captain, I've already spilled my blood for you on a couple occasions. One more won't hurt. I suppose that fisherman down in Rahuri didn't intend to get that fishing hook stuck in your finger, but I guess that counts too, I suppose. I... But I was... Furious about. It's my trigger finger, too. Like a week to heal. Mama Coco starts laughing. It would have healed faster if you didn't rip it out. I know. What am I supposed to do, Mama Coco? I was trying to be careful. Got the barb on it. <laughs> You're supposed to fish it through. It's a hook. You're supposed to cut it off, then pull it up. The finger or the hook? Well, if you can't get the barb off the hook first, then yes, the finger second. <laughs> I'm going to have to modify my guns to have bigger guards around the trigger, aren't I? Just so I can wear gloves. Jesse shows off his hands that are gloved with a weathered brown leather. Regardless, I'm thinking you just got to be a bit more careful, Wayland. And also don't stick your hand in any fish's mouth. Jesse looks offended. That was one time. (laughs) It was a lot bigger than I thought it was. (laughs) That's what she said. We can take this outside if you want. 
You filthy bitch rat. Charles is laughing. Hawthorne even giggles. Hey, we can't sign the charter in here. We don't have the crew. At least not all of us. Gonna have to do it on our ship then. Seems like that'd be the best place to do it anyway. On the ship is where we will sign our charter. Hawthorne's like, great, I have work to do as much as I would love to sit here and drink and reminisce. Aye, aye, Hawthorne. I like the idea that Hawthorne stands up and walks away and Jesse's like, yeah, dismissed, Hawthorne. <laughs> anyway. Charlie, do you want to take a look to see if there's any, uh, maybe sweet shops in town, anything new in stock? Could use some fruit on the ship. Too right. You're not wrong, and I am shamefully running low on my maple candies. Ooh, can't have that. Can't have that, no, no. Just don't tell Boots, he might take all of them. I never do. All right. Yeah, he gets up and he's like, <laughs> I'll see you at the shit. Charlotte is walking to go give drinks to that really grim table. Charles walks and puts his hand on Charlotte's head and kind of ruffles her hair. Stop. Why do you always do that? He then pushes a lock of hair behind her ear and smiles really wide. Because you're so sweet. Sorry, I gotta. All right, I'll see you later. See you later. And they kiss cheeks really quickly and then Charles leaves and Charlotte almost heads past your table. As she goes by, he wants to just kind of pull her aside. What happened with them? She's balancing the tray up top now. Um, so something happened. Um... I guess their sister ship went down. I don't know the name, but they're all really... Yeah, they're sad about it, but they're more mad. Something about the Red Ghost. Hmm. I could ask if you want. We might inquire a bit, Charlotte. You got important things to take care of. Thank you, dear. <laughs> At some point, as she does pass by, Wayland will give her a soft smile and... Any attempt to try and repair after that first impression, like scaring the crap out of her. She walks and goes to deliver the drinks. None of the pirates interact with her. They do look at her and recognize that she's there, that she exists, but they don't engage in conversation. She just nods her head and leaves very quickly. As she is going towards the raucous table, the pirates there, some of them are very drunk, some of them are not so drunk. One of the pirates grabs his arm around her and, like, brings her in close and is like, Ah, oh, come on, come sit with us, sweetheart. You're, you're such a beautiful little button. Just sit right here and we, we'll tell you all about the tales of, of the mermaids of the lagoon. Right, lads? And, and all the lads are like, ah, yeah, laughing, laughing. Jesse hits Wayland on the arm and is turned and faced them directly. Mm. Um, that... That's really nice. I do like mermaids, um, but I actually have to get back to work. You guys, you, you don't have enough drinks, right? This guy has not released his arm from around Charlotte. Hmm. Come, lass, come on. We can wait for drinks. We're not that parched. Uh, I really, really would love to, but I, I doubt Akumbo is going to be really mad if I don't get back. What's on the table at the moment? On your table or on their table? On our table. On your table? Luciana and her pineapple, your drinks, the bowl of nuts, strawberries, raspberries, grapes, small kippers. The guy who's got his arm around Charlotte, what does his outfit look like? Oh, typical Aragosan fair. Is his collar loose? Yes. Cool. 
I am going to grab the pointiest looking nut out of the bowl, and I am going to toss it across so it lands down the back of his shirt. Okay. And it's just as bothersome as it can be. And if it doesn't work the first time, I'll toss it up. Okay. Not that it like clicks him in the back of the head, just that it arcs and just makes him uncomfortable. <laughs> as he's talking, you chuck a nut and it lands and it rolls. He starts rubbing his shoulders a little bit and... Uh, Does he take his arm off of Charlotte? Not immediately, but the second nut he does, he's like, oh, 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 oh. The moment that he takes his arm off of Charlotte, going to say, Charlotte, can we get a refill? She runs over to your table. Yes? You're right, lass. Good. This is normal. It's okay. (sighs) Let us know if they give you any trouble, all right? Of course. Charlie never let me hear the end of it. No, of course not. But Charles gave me something to help protect me, so it's fine. I didn't hear about this. Mm -hmm. She leans forward, and on her belt, what looks like wooden flower is actually a blade. And the flower is a rose, a white one. Secret. Oh, I will just look at Jesse. Right. You're a bright lass. Thank Charles. He gave it to me. Well, I'm going to have a conversation with Charles. And that guy is reaching down the back of his shirt and is like trying to get the nut out, but like it keeps hitting and he's very uncomfortable. Good. Uh, so she leaves and goes to get drinks. I. What the fuck? Charles never told me he made cool shit like that. I want one now. It'd be great to have some filigree on anything. I do too. You'd think that would be Hawthorne's thing, right? Working with wood and all that. Aye. That's surprising. Aye. Does anything about the Red Ghost ring any bells? So the Red Ghost is one of the major ships in Captain Reese's fleet. It's not her ship, but it is one of her general's ships. Yeah, okay. I thought so. They are running with the Red Ghost and they're here? That leaves me with a lot of questions. I don't know about you. Yeah, that don't make me feel too good. I mean, my biggest concern about that is if they had a run-in with the Red Ghost and they survived, they might have been a bit followed. They wouldn't come into Aragostan waters. No, I know, but the moment that they leave, which might be why they're a bit past. Or oh, they encountered something out there they weren't planning on. That ATC vessel was hiding out in the middle of nowhere. True. And there's plenty of places to hide on the open ocean. I don't know. You want to inquire? I can go inquire. We can both go. Yeah, let's go. As you are getting up to go to that table, Royce rounds the stairwell and makes eye contact with you, Jesse. Wayland, as you are getting up and you're looking over at their table, they are also getting up and getting ready to leave. They gather their coats, they throw Gilder on the table, and a bunch of them shuffle past as Royce is coming close. There is one person left at the table, and they have not stopped holding their drink and staring into your eyes. Whose eyes? Wayland's eyes. Into my eyes. Do I recognize this person? You should, considering they're the one that shot you. Fuck. Yep. That's a problem. Somebody roll me a d10. One. A one. Fuck. Outside, there is a crack of thunder. 
it shakes the entire bucket of blood. Everything that can move is moving. Royce sits down at the table with you, Jesse, rubbing his ears. Wayland, that woman has not blinked. Like, didn't affect her. Wayland is going to... Which direction is she facing in relation to our table? She's facing your table. I'm going to plant myself right in front of her, completely blocking them from view. What's their name? Audra. Audra Wainwright. Audra. That's a cool name. Cool. Could you describe what this woman looked like the last time you saw her? The last I saw her. On a good day. Hold on. Are we insinuating that today is not a good day? She was at the table that was talking about the red ghost. Today is not a good day. Audra was fairly striking as far as beauty goes. She had long, dirty blonde hair that had been tied into braids, two on the side, one in the back, but the loose hair still flowing down over her shoulders, probably to about like mid-back. She had brilliant green eyes, a dark green suede coat that had brass buttons on the French cuffs, black pants, dark brown leather boots, little bit more refined. She prided herself on not being a peacock. This is also somebody that he very much cared about at one point in time and was like a sister to him growing up. Okay. What you see is not that woman. Her striking beauty is repressed. And the only reason why she doesn't look as glamorous as she did when you last saw her is because there are many scars on her face, on her neck, in her hairline, which has been cut into a hacked pixie, very close to her ears, very close to her neck, almost scalped in places. Jesus. Her brilliant green eyes are now dull and murky, almost as if the green waters have been muddied up. The dark green suede coat, which she prided herself on because she made it herself, is patched with different pieces of suede. The buttons have been torn off. Half the collar is missing. The brocade that covers the front was ripped off and you can still see the seams. Half of her arm sleeve is just jagged and cut off while the other one is still intact, but the French cuff is gone and she's just staring at you. Does her gaze follow me as I sit down? Oh, yes. Okay. So she can still see. That's good. Her nails, which are dirty and jagged and broken, are digging into the wood of her cup, and she's shaking as you sit down. Wayland is going to do everything he can to not make out that he's recognized her, and he's just going to sit down at the table. Um, have you had a bit of a run-in with the red ghosts? What happened to you lot out there? She breaks into a mad smile and reaches across the table, snatches your hand, and like squeezing it. Easy. And running her fingers in through yours. And then she grips really tightly with both of them and like looks up at you. Easy, lass. You're alive. Audra, what are you doing here? Why aren't you back with the sea dogs? What the fuck happened to you? What hasn't happened to me? Audra. (laughs) 
Shh. Stop. And she lets go of your hand. What do you mean, stop? I'm trying to, like, push her back into her seat. No. No. I am going to bring her around to my side and put an arm around her like I'm comforting her and hold her in the booth. That's going to be a risk. Okay. A risk is an individual action that has consequences. The reason it is a risk is because of consequences. There's always a consequence to certain actions, which then translates into mechanically a risk. Sure. By grabbing her, she is going to react poorly. To me, grabbing her at all? The consequence for grabbing her is that she will proclaim your name a little louder and oust you. Right. Okay. Maybe because you've triggered something in her, she's going to bring attention to you. Yes. And it's one raise to prevent that consequence from happening. There aren't always opportunities in a risk, but there is an opportunity presented here that you can coax her to calm down. Whatever has happened to her, you can reel that in and make her a little more stable so that you can talk to her and get answers. That sounds great. So that is the risk in grabbing her. Which approach are you going to be using? I'm going to go with panache, because that seems to make the most sense. Yep. And convince. Okay. So now you're going to gather your dice. However many points you have in panache. Three in panache, and then two in convince. That's five. I will give you two for flair, one for describing to me what you're doing, and one for using this trait and skill combo for the first time. That's seven, okay. Yep, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else that gives me additional die here, and I don't think there is. No, okay, there's not. All right, roll them bones. So seven and three is ten. I rolled a ten. I rolled two tens and uh, nine. Okay, so four raises, and you have one remainder left over. I will buy that remainder. Okay giving me a danger point and giving you a hero point. Fuck. No more ghosts. No more ghosts. And yeah, I'm going to spend a raise. I'm going to bring her in close in like almost a hug and gently calm her down. Keep your dead hands to yourself. Audra. Don't touch me, Samuel. I'm horrified and I will look over to Jessie. Was I fast enough to make sure that she didn't get any of that out? I'm spending a danger point. You don't know. Fuck. As the thunder and lightning strikes. Camera follows your head swivel, and we see Jesse's back is facing you. As the thunder and lightning strikes, Jesse doesn't react that much. And Royce takes a seat next to Jesse. Oi. At least the wind isn't whipping. Not yet. You make it back to pot, okay? Aye, we did. We're going to be anchored for quite a while. How about it? Oh, well, other than the holes we blew in the hull, uh, we're going to have to reskin the whole ship. It's not the worst thing in the world, I, I suppose. Honestly, I would too if I had the time. Now, there are many people here who would love to tear up the planks of that intrepid. Have fun, too. But uh, it's not why we're here. 
We're not here to talk about how we'd love to spit in the face of the ATC. Royce had his hat on, but he takes it off and he puts it on the table as someone who is not Charlotte just drops drinks off and wanders away. Jesse takes his off and places it on the table as well next to him. We're here to talk about your mother. Uh, Mama Coco pats your shoulder twice. I should go take care of the ship. He puts his hand on her hand and he looks up and gives her a thankful smile. Thank you, Coco. Now let's go. She squeezes just slightly and then walks away. Royce watches her go and then looks at you. What do you want to know? I know it was a long time ago, but he's kind of playing with the, the rim of his tankard. Figure I should get some closure now. What's happened? What do you remember? Start there. I'll fill in whatever blanks you got. Well, got taken to Fort Freedom, and in the dead of night, they staged a rescue and she got me out. I never heard from her again. You've been at Fort Freedom a year before we were able to spring you. I didn't think y'all were getting us out. We had to be right careful. We didn't want to go in there guns blazing. It took us a long while, but we finally managed to get a plan together and, and make it happen. There was a choice to be made. It was either your mother or you. Some of us wanted your mother because she's iconic. They know her. They fear her. But she insisted that she wouldn't have a life unless you were free to live your own. So we took you. And according to her wishes, we brought you to Aragos to be raised by Detacumbo and whoever else could. Whoever else owed a favor to your mother. Was a lot of sorry fools. A lot of sorry fools owed Sedona a favor. I owe her more than a favor. After that, while we were waiting for word, she'd been hung. Now, and he leans forward and he looks seriously at you. I weren't there to see it, lad. If I were, I'd be more sure of me words. What do you mean? In that moment, another flash of lightning happens. Wayland. Yeah. You grab her. She actually tries to fight you. No, no, stop it! As I am bringing her in, I'm going to give her just a soft kiss on the forehead. Oof. Coax her down into the sea. Audra freezes with the affection. You coax her back down, and it's almost like moving a marionette. She's checked out as you're hugging her. Do you want to spend that one raise to bring her back a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So explain to me how that looks. I'm just going to turn her head to look at me. You're safe. I'm not a ghost. Nothing's coming for you. I am going to grab her cup, put it in her hand, and bring it up to her lips and get her to take a big sip as much as she can without choking or anything. I'm rubbing her back. You're here. Everything's okay. So as you're stroking her back, suede is very thin. You can feel a long scar that is running down across her spine. And she's walking? She starts to blink rapidly and that murkiness goes away. You see that brilliant green that you remember. There you are. She looks at you. Audra, I am the boy that you grew up with. I am your friend. But there's something you need to know. Sam Flint is dead. We killed him that day. My name is Wayland. 
Okay. Okay. She clears her throat and takes another drink, and as she does, she shakes her head. I shouldn't even be here. Clearly neither should I. And that raspy voice twists and turns into what you remember of her being proper, and she shakes her head, and if we're using our fake names, mine is Mad Maeve. Mad? Well, Maeve, it is a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, Wayland. M-A-E-V-E? Mm-hmm. You also have two raises. You can spend a raise to ask a question and get information. Yep. And remember that your approach is panache and convince. Yep. What happened out there? She kind of stares at you for a moment. Her eyes are getting progressively more and more green as you're talking to her. And then tears start flowing from her eyes. So much. So much has happened. Audra. Too, too much. Are. Too much. Are. You're still here. She starts taking deeper breaths and takes a third sip of her water to calm herself down. Audra, why didn't you go back to the Nightingale? She was yours to command. I did. She starts to say your name and then immediately stops herself, blinks a couple of times, looks down in her goblet, and takes another deep breath. I did, Wayland. I went back to Fort Freedom, told them we'd been sunk by the Crimson Raiders, and the only reason that I survived was because of my magic. They gave me a crew and the Nightingale, and I was to sail back home to report back what I had seen. The murkiness starts to return into her eyes as the tension around her wooden cup increases and her nails begin to dig into it. But when we got out to open sea, the crew turned on me. They put me in a rowboat and left me with enough fresh water for a day, enough food for a meal, and a pistol with a single shot. You know what I am. I can make that last. Halfway through month 11, I ran out of food, and shortly after, I had no more water to drink. And I was stranded in a rowboat in the middle of the Atabayan. And before I could put the pistol in my mouth and say goodbye to it all, a red ghost came out of the fog. Her eyes glaze over and saved me. And we go back to Royce. God, sorry, it's so damn loud. It's jarring every time. You'd think she wasn't hung. She found a way. She had to have escaped. Hell, it was her plan that got you out. She had to have some kind of plan. Aye. My rage. His hand is steepled and he's holding them together and he actually clutches them into a fist and puts it down on the table next to his drink. My rage drove me to fill the void left in her wake. Didn't want to stop what I was doing. Didn't want to let all we had done go to the wayside. That's why I've taken down ATC vessels as much as I could. Rage drove me to not find the answer. Or perhaps I didn't want to know Sedona's actually gone. But I do know someone who knows more than I. Who? Name's Miguel. Your mother freed him from Castile and brought him over to Aragosta with her. So if anybody knows anything, 
It might be Miguel. Uh, this Miguel, where can I find him? There's a house down the way, white, blue shutters. And if he's not there, he's usually on the street playing his guitar. He stayed here in Aragosta after uh, some fallout with your mother, just before you were born. Do they have a relationship of some kind? That'd be his tale to tell, I think. Right. I think we passed him on the way in. Oh, did you now? Well, I imagine the rain would have scared him inside. Jesse looks up from his cup. A lot of time has gone by. A lot has happened. I'm unsure if she's gonna like the man she sees in front of her. If she is still alive. Jesse. And he leans forward and puts a hand on your shoulder. If she truly still lives, she'd be overjoyed to see you. No matter what condition you arrive in. As long as it's alive. How close were Jesse and Royce? Royce was like a grandfather to you. Jesse puts his hand on his, his right wrist and just starts rubbing it and massaging it and his thumb goes to his palm, starting to breathe a little faster. Rice, something terrible has happened, and I just don't know if I can bring that upon her. Royce grabs his glass. It's not like you made a deal with the devil, or you joined the ATC and you're actually a trade and company spy. Jesse goes pale and silent. We've all done terrible things in our lives, some more than others. But if there's one thing this old man knows for true, it's that a mother's love goes beyond that. Aye, thank you, Royce. Well, he pats you quick on the back twice. How aggressive this storm is. I best get to my ship before she sinks in the harbor. Royce, I did not see the storm in the horizon. Did you? I only saw the faintest gray cloud. There hasn't been a storm like this in Aragosta in a while. Came up out of nowhere. Hi. Mark me words. Something strange is happening. You take care now. Hi, you too. Be careful. Oh, you know I never am. And actually picks you up out of the chair and hugs you. Big giant bear hug. And he, he holds on for a little longer. Let's go. Thank you. If you need the Black Betty, all you gotta do is ask. Hi. I'm sure we will, at some point. He puts his hat back on. If we're gonna burn Fort Freedom, we're gonna need all the ships we can get. Aye, you're gonna need a lot of friends. And I'm sure Mum's got a couple hanging around somewhere. Oh, I'm still culling those brambles, boy. And then he walks away, heartily laughing to himself as thunder rumbles. Jesse looks out to the window, concerned, and looks over and walks over to Wayland. As you're approaching, her jaw shuts out forward, her mouth turns into a thin line, and she leans. Hi, Master Greywall. Sorry if I'm interrupting. Waylon looks at Jesse easy. Sorry. Maeve. It's alright. This is my captain. His name's Jesse Naconsa. He's a very good man. Hi, Captain. How are you this fine night? I'm well. Have we met... Her eyes twitching as she's staring at Jesse. No. And she leans back in her chair and grips her cup and is holding it really close to her mouth and rocking from left to right. And you don't want to. Waylon's very taken aback at this very drastic change. Captain, it um, might be best if I meet you back at the ship. He looks to Wayland. Make it quick. This storm is making me feel uneasy. 
Maeve is biting her cup and laughing into it as she stares at Jesse. <laughs> it should. A shudder runs down Wayland as he looks over her. Wayland. Jesse stands there for an extra long moment looking at this woman staring right in the eyes. Her whole body is moving. She's like swaying back and forth. She's running her nails down her glass. She's actually biting the rim of it. But her eyes are fused to yours. Like they are not looking anywhere else. Do they look with malicious intent? No, it's not malicious. I think the word you're looking for is mad. Just crazy. Insanity. Do I recognize this kind of insanity? Being a captain, you know firsthand that being lost at sea can cause any man or woman to be driven to the brink of insanity. And the tallest of tales tell of sailors who have been lost to the seventh sea and come back different. The other thing that could be possible is that she is gifted, quote-unquote. Master Greywall, I... We need to go, Captain. Go? You just got here. What is Jesse's look right now? He's looking at the table. Wayland. Have I ever heard him use this tone of voice before? Very seldomly. Aye, Captain. Maeve. Aye? Take care of yourself. I won't. Wayland will get up from the table. Wayland, there is something in your hand. I'm going to look down at it. There's a note. In strange script, not normal to Audra's handwriting, is the red ghost has her soul. I put my hands in my pockets, and before we leave the table too far behind, Wayland will rip off one of the buttons of my coat and put it on the table with Maeve and shudder as we walk away. Jesse's going to turn around and lean back onto the table. I'm sorry. She leans really close to you. Almost way too close. And she whispers, You will be. There's a single twitch in Jesse's eye and his fingers. His hand is on the table and it starts to move up. He kind of takes it with his other hand and pulls it close and turns around and heads back to Wayland. And as the camera follows Jesse and Wayland walking away from the table, it is sitting, looking at Maeve's face, faced at Maeve, and she is laughing. <laughs> You'll all be sorry. All of you. And then lightning flashes. <laughs> you will be. And the laughter fades away as you guys leave the bucket of blood. Wayland's heart breaks at that. Just, there's nothing to do. You guys are outside. The storm is nasty. The sky is black. The rain is pelting. The wind is rough. And there is lightning jumping from cloud to cloud. He's leaned in a little closer just so that he can hear him. So what Wayland does is leans over so that the brims of their caps connect. What? What was that? I'm not sure. She didn't... She just... Wayland, the sea invites all sorts of madness. I've never seen that. Not that kind. 
Best you hope you don't see no one else like that. We'll have to talk about that later. Until then... Ah, let's get back to the ship then, eh? Um... <clears throat> Royce... He... He might have given me a lead on a personal matter of mine. Oh, aye. I wouldn't mind coming with you. Yeah, I think we could both take a breather from whatever that was. Uh, that, um... That was the most unsettled I have been in a very long time. And he points down the street. Down this way, there's a house inhabited by a man named Miguel. Rice says if he's here, he might know about what happened to my mother. All right. I think that's worth following up on. I'm with you, Captain. All the way. Let's move. And he starts heading down. Bit of a pep in his step. Wayland's just staring off into space as they walk along. It's very easy to find because it's the only house that's painted white. Everything else is haphazardly slapdash or muted dull colors. But it's the only house that's painted white and has blue shutters, which are closed. It's really difficult to hear, but you thought you heard a raised voice from the other side of the door. And then the door opens and there is a man without a shirt on. He's got slacks and a brown goldish sash and really rough looking hair and kind of pale, a little tall, but muscular. And he leans in the door and he's like, can I help you, messios? Do we recognize him as the guitar player? No. I, I'm looking for him, Miguel. Ugh. The man audibly rolls his eyes and then steps aside. Entre, vit, vit. Steps in. The first image of this house, if there was one word to describe it, it's warm. There are, there are large candles in big glass lanterns and all around everywhere on the ceiling is some kind of silk drapery that's either red in color, gold in color, very autumnal tones. The floor is covered in what appears to be some kind of intricate looking carpet, which is now covered in rainwater. There is a couple of dulled fish hooks attached to the wall where there is a hat hanging and a coat and there are a couple of empty hooks. And the man, as he's walking back towards the inner sanctum of the house, he's like, Coats up, boots off. We Wayland also hung up his gun. And as you guys are taking your stuff off and ringing out whatever you can, you hear, ¿Quién era ese? Isun la portua. Para mí, ahora, som l'oficiel, j'adore. Lo siento, mi amor. Ah, será rápido. A man steps around who you recognize from the street, and he's got black tousled hair and an open lace shirt and also that same single breeches with the sash kind of deal. Hello? Yes, good evening, senor. You're looking for Miguel, yes? I would assume that's you. He takes a slight bow. See, si, that is me. Are you here for a lesson? Unfortunately, due to the storm, I had to cut short and just about to sit down for dinner. Unless this is very important, perhaps maybe I could convince you to come back at a later time? I'm terribly sorry for bothering you. My name is Captain Jesse Nakans of the White Rose. I heard you know my mother. If you had one distinguishing feature that would have been from your mother, what is it? Oh, his hair. And he walks up to you. He leans a little bit closer because your hair's a little bit wet right now and it instantly curls. <laughs> you have the same cowlick your mother had. I did not think this day would come. He makes the sign of the cross on his chest. I, I did not think I would meet you, but here you are. 
But the pleasure is all mine. No, no, the, the pleasure is mine. Please, come in. Raul, set the table for two more. We have guests. Raul, the Montaigne man you met at the door, leans around the archway and stares at both of you over his nose. This is Sedona's son. When Raul audibly rolls his eyes this time, it is more of a, oh, all right, rather than a, ugh, I can't believe this. Bienvenue. And he vanishes back around the archway. Pardon, my manas. This is my manatams, Master Wayland Greywell. It is a pleasure to meet you, sir, and he holds out his hand. Wayland slightly bows and meets his grip. He grips once and slaps the back, shakes once, and then lets go. It's a pleasure to meet you as well, sir. Come, have a seat. We're having pork. Ah. Wow. Haven't had that in a while. Where did you get fresh pork? I don't mean to thrum my own guitar, but I do make quite a lot of money in the streets when I am not holding a sword. That was you. We walked by you earlier. Your playing is beautiful. Thank you very much. Uh, come, come, sit down, sit down. And we're going to skip a little bit ahead in time to you guys sitting at this dinner table. After the pork. Yeah. After dinner, there's coffee. And with coffee is small little desserts. There also is a bowl of, of fruit, Wayland. Anything new? There is a star-shaped fruit that is the color of mangoes, but has seeds in the center that are also star-shaped. What on earth is this? Senor, that is a star fruit. Aptly named. <laughs> Raul says it tastes like the stars, but I think it just tastes like a sour mango. May I? Of course. Be my guest. I will put it on my plate. And Luciana is is with you, by the way. She's at your plate. She flits up to your finger, curiously looking at the fruit. All right, Lucy, you get the first bite. She ruffles her feathers and, and pecks a little bit and uh, makes a delighted chirruping noise and then uh, hops on your other hand. And I will take a bite. So imagine drinking really highly carbonated water, that tingly feeling on your tongue, and then couple that with the taste of kiwis and blackberries. Oh. That tingling feeling does not go away. When you swallow it, it goes down your throat and it's very pleasant. Wayland is enraptured in the fruit. Lucy, I might have to fight you for this one. <laughs> She's flitting around and play pecking at you. All right, all right. Sorry, I should have mentioned we had a third. This is Luciana. This, this explains so much. You see, when your mother wrote me about Luciana, I thought she had finally settled down and gotten married for how much love she had for the woman. Uh, only now do I realize that the woman is in fact a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and the cute one at that. <laughs> she is the best. To what do I owe the pleasure of Nakansa's son visiting me in my home? A man by the name of Elijah Royce. Ah. Still out there, huh? We just got backed with an ATC manoir that we procured for him. That was you, then? Aye. The both of you? Wayland and I. Specifically. It is an honor to have you in my home, senors. He nods. He mentioned you might know the fate of my mother. 
I have not seen her since I was rescued from Fought Freedom. Ah, I see. He looks to Rowell and puts his hand on his hand and says, Just step out for a moment, please. And he nods and picks up his hand and kisses it and bows to both of you and walks into the kitchen. Miguel takes his small cup of coffee and sips it and holds it in front of him, slowly turning it. We uh, didn't grow up together, per se, but uh, we did see each other often as children. And, uh, she was always, always very kind, very sweet. She, she got me out of Castile, away from the Inquisition. Managed to smuggle me out. She saved my life. And when she brought me here to Aragosta to begin my life anew, she offered me to go with her and explore the world. And for a time I did. I had nothing else. I had no home. I had no legacy. So I decided to travel with her for a little while. And uh, when she decided to retire her cartographer's compass for a cutlass. I tried to convince her that the path that she was taking would only lead to more bloodshed. It wouldn't actually do any good. We had a, a terrible fight. She actually fought me on it. I have the scar to prove it. And he turns his head and there's a large scar on the back of his neck. She won and she left. That's the last time I physically saw her. But... That doesn't mean she didn't keep me in, in her thoughts. I have many letters from her, though I was too much of a coward to write back. Because she was doing so well, and what she was doing was actually working. And I was wrong. And I, I wanted very badly to go to her and tell her that to her face, and to grovel at her feet and beg for forgiveness for ever doubting her. But alas, I got word that she had been captured. Very shortly after, the tales came back, saying that she had been hung. And he leans forward. Before I continue, I need to know something, Jesse. I imagine you took over her ship. I have not gotten word that it has sunk. I am the captain of the White Rose. And so it seems that you are following in your mother's footsteps, but I need to know if you're doing it for you and not to try to fill your mother's shoes. I won't lie that my mother inspired me, motivates me, but I haven't seen her for 16 years, and I never got closure. So, part of it's for her, part of it's for me. All right then, I have something to give you. If you give me a moment, I will be right back. And he gets up and bows politely and heads into the kitchen. I two for two on saying that she hanged. That doesn't... Jesse. Yeah. I don't know what Royce told you, but look, it seems like there's more to this story, obviously, but Miguel seemed to have made a point that there were stories that she was hung. Well, if he comes back from that room and has proof, are you going to be okay? Of course, Wayland. Do you know who you're talking to? I know exactly who I'm talking to, Jesse. I'll be fine. Weirdly, Jesse looks pretty relaxed. He's in a new person's home, but he seems comfortable. Maybe it's the Castilian flair, maybe it's Miguel. Seems like he's in his element. You know Jesse to be a relaxed person, so he seems normal. I'll be fine. Wayland nods. All right. Pats Jesse on the shoulder, gives a little squeeze, and leans back in his chair. Miguel returns, and in his hands is a small wooden chest. He sets it on the table. 
and slides it over to Jesse. Raul comes over and around his neck, you didn't quite notice before, but there was a, a necklace and on it is a key and he takes it off and hands it to Jesse. Jesse looks down to the chest and then back up. He takes it and goes to unlock it. And inside is a cluster of crystal the size of your palm. And it's in the shape of a jagged heart. It is slightly pink in hue, but is mostly clear. What is this? Well, uh, he pulls a letter out and hands it to you. I don't know if she is alive, but if it helps, this came to me five years ago. What does the seal look like? It is an ATC logo. Does Wayland recognize anything specific about the logo or the wax that is used? So you notice that the color of the wax is a royal, really deep, rich blue. And you know that that wax is only used by high-up officers. Captains use gold. This is more than that. Okay. Talking like Commodore? This is from the desk of one of these high-to-do people. This is the leading members of the ATC. Oh, yes. Mm, great. We love that. Ah, oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Jesse's gonna open it up and pull out the letter. On it are lyrics to a song. Structured the same way as any other song would be structured on a piece of paper. Does he recognize the song? Yep. Fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is it that one? This was the song that Miguel was singing, yeah? Yes. As you're holding up the letter, he can see the lyrics through the candlelight. Unfortunately, Miguel can barely contain himself as he's humming the tune of Wild Mountain Time, Jesse. The camera is kind of zooming in and we hear Miguel's humming and Wayland is staring at the envelope. It starts to unfocus and it starts to zoom out. We see there is a plate and a bowl and this parchment being written on. And from the door, we hear some scuffling and some noises and we hear soft crying. Someone's very upset. As the camera's zooming away, we see a hand, beautiful and elegantly tanned, with a few rings on it, goes over to a child who is very upset about something. Tears streaking his face and clearly out of sorts. And the hand kind of ruffles the hair a little bit. And we hear that humming again. And as the camera is going, it's following this woman, picking up the child and holding him. We only see the child's face. We don't actually see the woman. We see her hair from behind. It's black and beautiful and silky. Her coat. Oh, it is red and gold and beautiful. With roses weaved in. And she's singing a lullaby for this little boy. We're moving along as this woman is rocking the child back and forth. The child like leans back and we can see he's smiling and she puts a finger to his nose and wipes his tears away. She's smiling as she's singing. Jesse, as a child, you're starting to calm down as whatever was bothering you starts to fade away because you're in your mother's arms and you're safe and you're warm and there's nothing that can harm you. She lays you down 
down in bed and starts to tuck you in as she sings the last part of the song. Should the winds take you from home Where horizons fade away Then I will wait forever In our bower by the sea Will you go, Jesse? She leans down and she kisses your forehead as you fall asleep and we transition back to the dining room table of Miguel as he finishes humming. And Miguel looks at you and says, I apologize. Can I contain myself with such a beautiful song? I hope this gives you some closure. There's something about it that don't make sense, though. What was that? Why an ATCC of was she trying to hide it? Did Jesse plot a couple dealings with the ATC? As far as I can tell, that leather uh, used that collar wax came from one of the ruling members of the trading company. I'm not sure if it feels like a sign or a warning. Could be both. He's going to look through the lyrics. Does Jesse remember seeing a crystal fountain on his adventures with his mom? I don't know, Jesse. Does the rock in the box look familiar? The crystal is still in the box, right? Yeah. Wayland, do you take it out and look at it? Yeah. Can Wayland lean over and see if he can see the letter through the rock? You can. The candlelight's a little odd. Does the letter look any different? It does. Wayland... You see a map. And his eyes go wide. Jesse, look at the letter through the rock. He looks at Wayland. He puts it up to his eye and looks through it. You see a map. Holy shit. Oh, now that's something, ain't it? Does Jesse recognize this map? No. Well, Cotton. Master Greywall. I think we've got a new head in. It appears I have some charts to work out. And then, outside, there is a terrifying scream. Oh, don't give me that look. You're just gonna have to wait to see what happens. I know, my scribes are cruel. Don't be too mad. I promise it'll be worth it. Be safe and well, friend.